starting a brand new series today on the life of Moses, the, bio the biography of Moses. The subtitle is The Epic Story of Calling. And so in your imagination, when you think of Moses and you think of the movies, your mind automatically, well, at least my mind, automatically goes to Charlton Heston. He's just like, this is, there he is, that's Moses. Uh, Christian Bale did a Moses movie not too long ago, and it, oh, I'd be careful what I say. It wasn't too hot. It was terrible. And not because it wasn't biblically accurate. I'm okay with a little artistic licensing here and there, but it was just a terrible movie. Anyway. <laughs> but we have... You know, we have these, these images of who he is and what he did, and, it, and it's epic, right? Like, you know, the, the cartoon. Maybe you don't have Charlton Heston in your mind, but if you're younger than me, maybe it's the Prince of Egypt where you have, you know, those incredible images of Egypt and of the plagues and of wandering in the desert and getting to the edge of the promised land. It's a great story. And it's all true. It's all true. Now, critics and historians and theologians, they will say that Moses didn't exist. And I'm not, I'm not doing a series on Moses to prove that he did exist. Uh, you can, there's some other theologians out there. The theologian is called YouTube. <laughs> and you can do a deep dive and you can lose yourself into the historical accounts of Moses. You can find things that will suck up your entire life on the historicity of the person of Moses. We've got a lot of great evidence that he existed. There's a lot of great evidence that there was a mass exodus out of Egypt. Uh, it's all there. It's really exciting. So he was there. Now, Critics of the Bible, they don't want to say that he existed because if he did exist, then he is the greatest leader of all time, with the exception of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of course. But he is the greatest leader of, that has ever been called. Like he's in the top three in the Bible it's Moses, it's David. It's Paul, well, and there's four, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, of course. But Moses is so important. He's so big. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. It was called the Pentateuch, the first five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote all those. I mean, that in and of itself, to write some of the most important literature, whether you're a person of faith or not, some of the most important literature that the world has ever seen, Moses wrote that. He's an amazing author. Such a good author that he even wrote the, the last chapter after he died. Thank you. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> yeah, so if you, read, if you read Deuteronomy, he writes about his own death. Of course he didn't write about his own death. Joshua wrote that. Anyway. And beside the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, he wrote the law. Like the Ten Commandments. 
Because, I mean, the laws, I mean, it's very complex. There's like 300 and, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of different laws. But the ones that we know are the Ten Commandments, yeah? Everybody knows about the Ten Commandments. We used to put them at our courthouses in this country. I think we've taken them all down by now. But that's how important that they were, the Ten Commandments. It was like, it, it like faith aside, those ideas... Those ten ideas, those ten laws, those ten rules, those ten commandments, and all of the the laws that are attached to them, that are grafted into them, my, okay, I don't mean this uh, in a a cursing way. I mean this in a literal way. My God, isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful what they did, what Moses did with the law and and the Torah. I mean, if he hadn't drafted... The law, like, those animals would have killed each other. They would have, I mean, it would have been a bloodbath out there. There, I mean, you think things are bad now. If it wasn't for the law, there would be no humanity. It's amazing what he did, what he wrote. Some critics will say, oh, Moses couldn't have wrote that because, you know, they weren't writing. Like, of course they were writing. Moses' first 40 years... He was a prince of Egypt. His first 40 years, living in luxury in one of the world's most powerful empires. I mean, we're pretty well set up here in America, but if you want to compare apples and oranges or apples to apples, like Egypt was, Egypt was it, man. It was, I mean, it probably would have put America to shame to how powerful it was. And what they were able to do, what they were able to accomplish. Absolutely amazing Egypt. I mean, we can't even we can't even reconstruct the pyramids with the machines that we have right now. And Moses was a part of that. He was right there. He was he was in on that. Um, honest scholars believe that not only was he able to read and write in hieroglyphs probably was able to read and write in Akkadian, which was the business language of the day, and then he probably adopted or was able to tweak Hebrew. He probably was the one that invented Hebrew. He probably took the oral traditions that was passed down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Most likely, Abraham was writing too, but there was oral tradition that, that continued. But So I, I believe, in my imagination, that Abraham was writing that gets passed down to, to Isaac and Jacob. It's passed down to Joseph. And they begin to develop and write a new language with new characters. And I think Moses topped it off. Isn't that cool? So he wrote the first five books of the Bible. He authored the most significant work in humanity, the Ten Commandments. In the New Testament, oh, he also wrote Psalms 90. Does anybody have your Bibles? So he's, he's at least authored one of the Psalms. All right, who wants to stand up and read Psalm 90? Just like the first five verses or so. Psalm 90, it's beautiful. It's like, uh, oh, we got one. Of, all right, Psalms 90, like the first five or six verses.
everlasting to everlasting. You turn mortals back to dust, and you say, return descendants of Adam. Indeed, your sight a thousand years are like a single day. Like yesterday, already passed, like an hour in the night. You sweep mortals away, they are a dream. They sprout again in morning like cut grass. In the morning they blossom and sprout, in the evening they wither and dry. Indeed, your anger consumes us, your rage terrifies us. You have set your, our sins in front of you, you have put our secret sins in the light of your presence. Indeed, all our days slip away because of your fury. We live out our year like one long sigh. Each of us lives for 70 years or even 80 if we're in good health. But the best of them were in trouble and misery. Indeed, they are soon gone. Very good. Thank you. Ma'am. That's the word of the Lord. All right. Now, I need to highlight something that's very important and very crucial, not just to this series, but in reference to the word of the Lord. Now, Moses wrote the first five books. He wrote the Ten Commandments. He wrote Psalms 90. Timothy 3.16 says, that all scripture is God breathed. And it is useful for encouragement, for teaching, for rebuking, for, re- for correcting in all righteousness. So, my friends, what is scripture? It is God breathed, it is the Ruach of God. Moses isn't just William Shakespeare. In the Old Testament, he wrote God's word. I mean, the literature in and of itself is impressive. But for a man to know God well enough to to be entrusted with his essence, with the spoken word, and to get that spoken word on paper, The living, breathing, active word of God, that is more impressive than William Shakespeare could ever be. All scripture is God-breathed. One of the amazing things about Moses is that he didn't have a Bible. He just had the Lord. And he had the Lord so close to him that he was able to write it all down. The dude wrote Genesis. Amazing. But God instructed him by the power of the Holy Spirit to write it down. So I want to encourage you in your Bible reading time this week. You need to, you know, yeah, we need to study it. Yeah, we need to think critically about, you know, about how we, you know, splice things. We need to, we need to know the Word of God. But you need to be inspired by the Word of God because the Word of God is illuminated when you read it. Or at least it should be. So how do you read the Word of God? Well, first of all, before you crack the book, you need to rest in his presence and you need to say, Holy Spirit, I pray that I will learn and that I will grow. But you will, and I also pray that you will illuminate the word of God to me. Because you don't want to read a human author. You want to read the divine author. Yeah, Moses wrote all these rules. They're pretty cool. Truth is, God wrote them all for the transformation of our souls. All right. You want to hear some more amazing things that Moses did? 
It's the really cool stuff, like the plagues, like the, like the miracles, like the showdown with Pharaoh. We believe that, um, that the Pharaoh, I'll show you a picture of him maybe next week. We believe that, that the Pharaoh of the Exodus is Ramses II. Like, I haven't decided yet. I've studied this for a very long time. Um, but we believe it's Ramses II. You know what the cool thing about that one is? Is that we still have his body. I'm going to show you his body next week. <laughs> like, we still have the guy. We have, his, we have his corpse. The guy that talked, most likely talked to Moses. We still have his body. We don't have Moses' body. They buried him somewhere, and no one knows where he's at. That was intentional because they, didn't, because we, because they knew that um, you know, if, we, if, we, if we built a monument to Moses, that us silly little humans would go and worship there. We would worship the man and not worship the God. So they intentionally buried him somewhere in an unmarked grave. That's cool, right? It was probably Moses' idea. He probably put it in his will. The miracles that he performed in front of Ramses II or whoever it was, could have been Ramses III, could have been Tutmosis III, uh, it could have been Akhenaten. Oh, oh I got to leave that alone. I, I say that like almost every Sunday, huh? There's a really crazy theory that Moses was Akhenaten. That's what happens when you do deep dives into YouTube way too long. You find stuff like that. It makes sense. Like I, I, it's, it's really fascinating. Akhenaten was an Egyptian pharaoh that decided to go monotheistic. He, he worshipped one god. Around the same time as Moses. What are the chances of that? Anyway, all right. The miracles that... that Moses performed in the presence of the worldly powers and most likely satanic powers. So not only was the Pharaoh, the way that we read the scripture, not only was Pharaoh just the powerful ruler, most likely he embodied Satan's spirit himself. The way that he treats God's people, the way that the, the Pharaoh treats God's people as slaves and, and subservient and, and, and oppresses. He, he acts like the devil. So some theologians think that the Pharaoh might easily be possessed by the devil himself. And so for Moses to go into the presence of, of worldly evil power and to take his staff and throw it on the ground and to have it transform into a snake that eats another snake... For Moses to go into the presence of worldly power and to say, let my people go. And then the Nile turns to blood and frogs come out all over the place. And it begins to hail not only hailstones, but hails firestones. I mean, this is pretty impressive stuff. You've seen the movies. And once again, it's all true. Like that stuff really happened. It's not that I want to believe that it happened. This is the word of God. It really happened. Like there was a display of power. There was a showdown in spiritual realms that, that we don't really understand. 
And Moses had the, the position, he had the calling to perform these signs, these wonders, these miracles, because God chose him. God empowered him. Like splitting the Red Sea and walking over on dry land. I mean, come on. Of course, we've tried to explain that one away too. Like, well, it was a big windstorm and, you know, it receded. And like, it's just silly when we try to explain miracles away. And when I, I mean, it's usually Christians that are trying to explain miracles away. Oh, by the way, if you're somewhat new in the church, we believe in miracles. We're, we're like one of those churches. Like, we believe that all the gifts are for today. But I remember as a young boy just being fascinated by these signs and the wonders that Moses performed. Either watching them on the movies or in the cartoons or in the Bible's you know, Sunday school stories. Just I remember being completely fascinated by what Moses did. As a boy with an over and active imagination, on more than one time I tried to walk on water in the swimming pool. I have also tried to split rivers. It didn't work. I've, on more, more than one occasion, I have thrown down sticks hoping that they would turn into snakes. <laughs> Never happened for me. It happened for Moses. Moses is mentioned around 700 times after the Pentateuch. So the other authors that the Holy Spirit inspired, like, they're like, yeah, Moses is a big deal. You need to be quoting him all the time. Jesus quotes him constantly. Uh, Paul quotes him too. Moses is the very first deliverer of God's people. He's the first one to deliver God's people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, you know, they were all a part of God's plan, and they were all, they all did these things, but it was Pharaoh, it was Satan who enslaved God's people, and it was Moses. He was the one, he was the one called, the very first deliverer of Israel. He's the first one, and Jesus is the last Jesus is the last deliverer of Israel. He is your deliverer. Jesus is better than Moses, if you haven't figured that out. And the Word of God says that Moses was the best prophet out of all of them. Deuteronomy 34.10 says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses. Okay, pay attention. Whom the Lord knew face to face. Okay, like underline that in your Bibles. Write that down in your notes. Whom the Lord knew face to face. It's going to be key in this whole series. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent to him to do in the land of Egypt, 
to Pharaoh and all of his servants and all of the land and all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. So Moses is the best prophet, what God is saying right here. There's no one like him. There's been nobody like Moses since. He holds... I hate to even use the word secret, but we'll just say secret because everybody likes secrets. He holds a secret to the personal relationship with God that we all need to get. This isn't a study about the biography of Moses. This is a study on how we can disciple ourselves to be more like this man. To to have a face-to-face relationship with God that will take you out of slavery. This is a... This is a story, this epic story of calling. This is also a story of intense encounter. Moses had some intense encounters, which we'll be going over in the next eight to ten weeks. That's probably how long it's going to take. I honestly believe that we can get closer to Jesus by studying the character of Moses. I honestly believe how absurd and crazy it may sound if we have a relationship like Moses had with with the Lord, with Yahweh, that in our own personal lives we will be entrusted to do signs and wonders. Like I said, they're they're not over. They haven't stopped. Like God is a God of miracles. He's got miracles waiting for you. But he just needs you to be a little bit more like Moses. There's four character traits that Moses had that scholars have identified as to what brought him such favor with the Lord. Now, first and foremost, Moses was called like there was a, a sovereign act of God that was on his life. Because, talk about this one next week. Because he was the baby in the basket. Yeah? So he was destined. He was destined for leadership. Not quite sure I know why the Lord chose this baby, but the Lord chose this baby. He was destined for leadership. He was destined to throw staffs down and have them turn to snakes. He was destined to open up the Red Sea. He was destined to write the the Pentateuch. He was destined to lead the people out of Israel, out of slavery, into the promised land. That was his destiny. That was his calling. But did you know that you have a calling too? Like it might not be that big. Again, I've tried. It might not be that big, but you have a calling. You have a destiny. Just as if the sovereign Lord divinely appointed that baby to be in a basket at the right time, the right place, 
I believe that the Lord has called you to be here today in this seat at this moment at this time. You are not an accident. And you are not here by accident. And you're not hearing this message by accident. Something very strange is taking place in spiritual realms. There's more and more, we call them uh, divine appointments these days. Like, don't discount that stuff. You've got to lean in when there's a circumstance or a situation. You've got to lean in when it just seems like it's a happenstance that I'm in this place and I just ran into this person. I haven't seen this person for how long, Joe? 30 years. Like, is that just chance? No. And it's happening right now. So pay attention, folks, to what God's doing. He's on the move. So there's four characteristics. And, and for some reason, my dumb tablet just erased one. <laughs> so there's, there's three characteristics. <laughs> Those are the three right ones. Yeah. Man, could you imagine if Moses had like one of these digital tablets instead of one of the, the stone tablets? They didn't have to worry about things getting erased, would you? All right, first is that Moses was a man of faith. Okay, you might not be able to be like Moses. You might not have a destiny to, to, to have a showdown with the powers of this world. Again, God has got a specific calling for you that only you've got to do it. If you don't do it, it's not going to get done. You've got to do this calling. I believe that everyone in this room has at least one of these character traits, if not all four. I'm going to try to remember that fourth one. <laughs> uh, look, you've, look, you're going to, like, you're going to, you're thinking to yourself, I can't be like Moses, but you can have his character. Amen? Amen. You can have his character. You can go after his character. The man was a man of faith. Throughout his entire walk, he did 40 years as a prince. He did another 40 years as a father and a herdsman, like really not doing much. And then he did another 40 years leading God's people out of slavery. That's how long his career was, three 40s. <laughs> that sounds like some of your Friday nights. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll, probably, we'll probably have to edit that one out. <laughs> As a man of faith, he never took his eyes off of God in all of those years. He was always, again, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't, have a word, he didn't have the word of God. He had it dwelling inside of him because he always, was, he always had his eyes on the Lord. And so when the Lord showed up, guess what? He knew it. He recognized the Lord's presence. It's so annoying when I'm like bumbling around 
complaining about stuff, whining about things. Like, and I've been in the presence of the Lord for an hour and I didn't even recognize it. Like, there's something special about Moses where he just knew. It's like, oh, and not only was he able, not only was his faith able to recognize the presence of God, the dude was obedient. Take your sandals off, Moses. Okay, okay, Lord. And he just took them off. He didn't, didn't ask. Like, when God's asking me to do something, I'm like, I question him. Why do I have to take my sandals off, God? Why do I have to do that? I don't want to do that. I want to get my feet dirty. Like, I mean, seriously, this is human nature. Like, God asks us to be obedient, and then we question him like we have the right to. Like, you want to know what God's will is for your life is to be obedient. Just, like, read the word of God. It's all right there. Don't question it. Do it. Be faithful. He's a faithful man. And what's beautiful about his faith is he goes from faith to faith. Like, like that, the moments when he was a, a faithful little prince, you know, in the lap of luxury, like he had a level of faith. He had a level of connection with God. He had a, a sense of his destiny and of his calling. He had a burning, righteous spirit that led to something horrible. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. He had a level of faith even though he was in the lap of depravity, yeah? Like he, he knew. He knew the Lord. That was phase one. But his next 40 years, like he, was, he, he had to be in a desert season in order for him to lead his, the Lord's people into a desert season. Like, he couldn't have done the Exodus if he hadn't have done the 40 years with Zipporah, his wife, and, you know, the sheep, and, you know, kind of going low. He went from the lap of luxury, the most powerful place in, in, in the world had ever seen at the time, to just being nobody. And he, did, he was a nobody for 40 years. And yet, during this whole time, he had, he had a faith in the Lord. He always kept his eyes on the Lord, even when things sucked. And when things got hot, he kept his eyes on the Lord. He went, from, he went from faith to faith. His faith got stronger. And then he went from strength to strength. God, and God gave him more strength and more strength. So this is a man of faith that, that at this time no one had ever seen before. Yes, there was a divine calling on this man's life, but I believe that he chose faith. Like, that's a choice. You have to choose to walk into the cave where there's a burning bush, and you have to choose to be obedient and to take your sandals off. Never took his eyes off of God. And because of that, he's the only one in whom God spoke to face-to-face as one would speak to a friend. And we're not supposed to look upon the face of God, but for some strange, mysterious reason, Moses does. I'll try to figure it out for you out later, but again, it's been years, and I still don't understand that one. Moses was a, a man of prayer. Like I think this is probably one of the most practical things that, that we can get today. Like, this man prayed a lot, 
And his, he probably, like Abraham prays this way, way too. Like the praise, the, the, his prayer life isn't like lamenting and elaborate words and crying out before the Lord. And No, it's conversational, folks. Like there is no systematic religious thing going on here when, when Moses prays. He is talking to God. Sometimes it's as, you know, one talks to a friend, right? There's other times where it's like, oh, man, God's going to kill me. <laughs> you know, like he has a real relationship with Yahweh. It's absolutely amazing. You know, he, he, he talks to God. He is not only Israel's first deliverer, he's the first intercessor. Okay, so Moses has got this prayer life that's just intense because, you know, he is, he's with God. He's so close with God. Like, you know, he's seen his backside. He's seen his, I, uh, we don't understand what's going on. But whatever is going on, none of us has been able to experience it since. It's intense. He knows how to talk to God. He knows how to listen to God. He knows how to be obedient to God. And I don't know if this is a part of his divine destiny or not. I don't know if this was God's bright idea or Moses' bright idea, but Moses decides to be an intercessor and he prays for his people. So he's not just praying about himself and his own problems and his sandals blowing out and his sheep running away and Pharaoh about ready to kill him. He's not just praying about his own problems. He's learning how to pray for his people. He intercedes for God's people. Like on levels that are just like bizarre because We'll get to this in one of our sessions. Sessions, like a college, whatever. <laughs> one of our sermons. Like, man, it's a good thing that we serve a gracious God. Because these people, these people, oh my gosh, they're terrible. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you thought people at work were bad. <laughs> these people are terrible. I mean, to the point where God is just, he just he's like, man, I know I, I said I would never bring a flood to wipe this thing out, but maybe I can help with something else. <laughs> all right? Now, I don't know, again, we don't know exactly what's going on here. First of all, God's a good God. He's good all the time, and he loves you. Amen? All right. So I don't, we don't know what the situation is. But what the Word of God says is that God was so frustrated with them all, like he's just going to smoke them all. Like God's going to, like all of these whiny you know, Hebrews wandering around in the desert where God gives them, you know, manna from heaven and God gives them, you know, food and, and quail and water out of rocks and miracle after miracle, save them from slavery. And these people are still complaining, like they're still whining. And God's like, I've had enough. I'm going to smoke them all. Right. It's like, I can't do this anymore. I love them, but I hate them at the same time. I'm going to kill them all. I, maybe this was just a test for Moses. I don't know. But do you know what Moses does? Moses says, don't kill him, Lord. Okay, this is, this is crazy. Moses says, don't kill him, Lord. Ready? Kill me instead. Let me stand in their place. And you send me to Sheol. Sheol is hell, by the way. You just like I'll go to hell for them. That. You know who else does that? Jesus, 
I don't know if you figured it out, but, but Moses is a Christ type. He begins to act like Jesus. Like Jesus will. So Moses is one of the very first intercessors. And we're, we're to be like him. So prayer. He's interceding. He even offers to go to hell for people. Jeez. All right, another one. Oh, I figured out what the fourth one is, so we're good. Okay. Um, one of the, the, the third characteristic about Moses is that this one might not make sense. Let's put up uh, Charlton Heston again. Okay, this is the other characteristic about Moses. Is that he was meek. Meek? That guy is meek? I thought that this is the guy that says, uh, you know, get your hands off me, you dirty ape. That's the wrong movie. <laughs> I thought this is the guy that says, you know, you can't you know, pry the gun from my dead hands. Oh, different, different guy. This guy, Moses, the real Moses was a meek man. Meek? With the guy that had the showdown with Pharaoh? The guy that, that stood in his presence and said, let my people go? Moses was a humble man. It's all through the scriptures. It's all, it's, 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 it's who he is. Numbers 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Really? There had never been a man so meek or so humble than Moses. Doesn't that seem like a little key to walking with the Lord? To be meek? To be humble? Meekness? It sounds like mousy weakness. Meekness. Humility. I just want everybody to know that my humility level keeps going up and up and up and up. <laughs> I am so incredibly humble these days. I'm getting so good at it. Meekness. Jesus, like meekness is important. Like it's so important that Jesus says, yeah, this is important stuff. And the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. And then he opened his mouth. Uh, whenever Jesus opens his mouth, he probably should take a listen. And he opened his mouth saying to them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the, what? The kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. And what do they get? The earth. I gotta, I gotta read the rest of it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed that are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are 
you and others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you and falsehoods on my account, rejoice, really? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Like Jesus, like meekness is really, really important for, for Jesus. And meekness isn't mousy weakness, by the way. Meekness is power under control, which is a, a character trait that a lot of us need these days. Because some of us can wield some power. Some of us have some influence. Some of us have platforms or whatever. And you need to have, you need to have power under control. Like uh, self-control is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Your tongue is the most powerful thing in your body. And I thought it was my biceps. It's not. It's my tongue. My tongue is the most powerful thing. And yet... Even though I can use it to destroy my wife or to tear you down or to make you look bad or to lie and cheat in order to get what I want. Like there's power in the tongue. The word of God says this power of life and death resides within the tongue. So we've got to have it under control. That's just one thing. That's just one power thing that you can control, that you can be meek with. You can be meek with your mouth. Have that power under control. Some of us have powerful emotions. You're passionate. Passion is great. Like we want to be passionate about life. We want to have that lust for life because God gave it to us. And life is good and it's worth living and it's worth being passionate about. We need to be passionate about righteous things. I'm, pas- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pro-life pastor, and I'm passionate about it. Yeah? That's why we have these out in the lobby, because all life is precious. Patricia Lynn's going to plug this next week. We can be passionate about righteous things, but we also have to have our passions under control. I really don't feel called to... Find somebody that has maybe made a wrong decision or a wrong choice and to smash them over the head with the Bible and make them feel guilty and terrible about the decision that they made. That is not meekness. That is power out of control. Meekness is more powerful than any power in the world because meekness is power under control. Moses, the most, the meekest man that ever was. Amazing isn't it? That is one very powerful character trait. And then the fourth is courage. He was a courageous man. Just think about what he did and he didn't want to do it. He, he stood up to evil. The most evil presence intensified in Karnak. Like he, he stood up there, faced off, you know, whether the magicians were real or not, they had power. They had political power. You know, whether Pharaoh was possessed by an evil spirit or not, he had political power. And Moses stood in their presence with, 
the courage of the Lord and said, let my people go. And so you need courage too. Moses had to stand in front of millions. We believe that he led maybe six million people out of Egypt. He, he stood in the presence of millions and said, you guys need to straighten up. And then they're going to kill him. Like the very people that saved him are now stabbing him in the back. And he had the courage to stand in front of them and said, no, keep your eyes on God. Get your, get your eyes off this golden calf. Don't, don't, don't fall into idolatry. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't want the things that you once had. Want the promised land. He had the courage to tell them what they needed and not what they wanted. We need to have the courage in these days, maybe to stand up and to our families or to stand up in workplaces or wherever. And we, we need to be able to have the courage to say, God, I know you want the world, but you need Jesus. Yeah, we need to have that type of passion, that type of courage. And that's what he had. Man of faith. a man of prayer, a man of meekness, a man of courage, a man that wrote a, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a good chunk of the Bible, a man considered by secularists to be the most influential leader the world has ever seen, a man that was the lawgiver, a man that was the river splitter, a man that was the snake handler. Ah, I, I can't, I can't live up to that. But you know what we're going to discover in this series? What we will discover is that Moses is a lot like you. You're going to see moments in his life where his faith faltered. Like even Moses, like his faith faltered. Have you ever had your faith falter? Have you ever lost faith? Have you ever been like, my God, I don't know. I don't know if I even believe in you anymore. The school system says you don't exist, and so I guess I don't believe in you anymore. Have you ever faltered on your faith? Well, so has Moses. Have you ever lost track of your prayer life? I think Moses had. There's been times where Moses' prayer life was not healthy. Like, you probably shouldn't be calling God names. So, yes, even Moses didn't have the best prayer life. You know, the Bible says that Moses is the the meekest man the world has ever seen, the most humble man the world has ever seen. And yet, for somebody that is supposed to have power under control, we see Moses lose his stuff. We see him lose his temper. He paid a price for it. But he's very human, just like you. I don't know if I can do this thing, Pastor Josh. I don't know if I have that kind of courage. Do you know that Moses didn't have any courage either? Like, I don't know where he, I don't know where he, he dug it up. He decided to be courage, courageous, even though he wasn't. And you can do that too. 
So we can, we can do everything that Moses did in the, in the development of our character and the development of our personal relationship with God. You can do it all. And maybe, just maybe, you can split a, an ocean or two. So that's the journey. I'll encourage you to stick with us for the next eight, ten, ten weeks. We're going to go deep. We're going to go deep. It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. Now, um, whenever we do a biography of anybody in the Bible, it's about their personal walk that you can relate to. Amen? Sophia and the band, if I could have you guys come up. In the back of your mind, in any biography series that we do or any book series that we do or any topical series that we do. And then once again, we can get this from Moses. It's all about Jesus. If studying the life of Moses doesn't lead you into a closer relationship with Jesus, either you're reading it wrong, you're listening wrong, or you just don't want it. But I would encourage you to want it. Like the knowledge and the information, and like I like biographies. Truth of the matter is, like Napoleon is not going to lead me to Jesus. He's going to lead me somewhere else, even though I like his biography. But this is what it's about. So when we learn about the life of this man, we need to learn about his personal relationship with who someday will become Jesus. Isn't that cool? This act of communion, holy communion, maybe we'll get this in, in this series is the most intimate thing that you can do with Jesus. Like, I want to encourage you. Like, this is the body of Christ, which has been broken for you. I want to encourage you not to see this as a piece of bread, but I want to encourage you to see the body of Christ, to see him face to face. Isn't that amazing? Like, this isn't a religious thing that we do. I know it kind of seems like it at times, but this is a relational thing. Face to face with your creator. Friends with God, with his body. Are you God's friend? But before we receive the, the, the body of Christ, I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. If you, don't know, if you don't know Yahweh, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, if you don't know his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, who wants to have a personal relationship with you. If your life is not led and directed by the counselor of the Holy Spirit, today is your day to receive the Lord and to have a conversation with the God that Moses served. If you need to know the Lord for the very first time, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because I, I'm encouraged by your faith. I know that you all want to get to know the Lord like Moses did. So, let's be people of faith and let's be obedient.
God, forgive us of our sins before we take care take of this meal. For harboring any bitterness or resentment towards anyone, God, we just lay that at the foot of the cross so that we can eat this meal. God loves you. He's provided for you. And this is your provision. Receive the body of Christ. Begin to have a face-to-face conversation with him. things that I love about communion is that it keeps our eyes upon Jesus and upon his blood. Without the shedding of this innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of our faults and of our sins. There is no forgiveness of our lack of faith or our emotions that are out of control when we don't choose meekness. We choose weakness by becoming angry. Without this blood, we, we can't have that conversation with Jesus. This gets us to that point where we can talk to him face to face, where our prayer life improves because we've drank of this cup. And you know what else is in the cup? Is courage. There is courage in this cup because after you drink it and after you're your sins are washed away and you become white as snow. You have the courage to face anything, to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus. Let's do that now. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. come to the front and we're just going to return to the Lord right now we're going to return to our Yahweh our personal God we're going to give him all the glory for our lives we're going to put God's mark upon our finances because we're choosing to become faithful we're choosing to become obedient so Father we give back to you because you first gave to us so grateful for everything that you have provided for us in this incredible empire called America. 
God bless you all as you give back to the Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass to give us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from that evil one. For thine is the power and the glory forevermore. Amen. So now may the Lord bless you. This is written by Moses, by the way. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious towards you and turn towards you in your times of need. May he fill your home with the peace of God. Go with that blessing in the name of Jesus. We love you. See you next time.